Welcome back to the latest episode of Let's Talk About It. On today's episode, we were talking about stress, how it arises, what happens when it arises, and how to manage it. So let's talk about it. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I know it's been some time since we've been on here. I think almost over a year and a half, close to a year and a half. Um, I was doing some other stuff with a different podcast that blew up and was good for school, but I'm back and I want to revitalize, revamp this project. And I have a host on here that's going to be a new host. I know we've had a few different co-hosts and different guests on here, which we will still have future guests from different professions. But someone that I talk to on a regular basis about this stuff that I trust who I trust his input and I trust what he says um, to allow him to be on my show. And I want to introduce you to Austin Anderson, who is a classmate of mine and a future colleague in the medical profession. And I'm going to let him take it away and introduce himself. Nate, I appreciate the intro and especially being on here with you. This is truly something I have been really excited about. I have considered getting into just speaking my mind and having it recorded and seeing what people think, but really grateful for this opportunity. Like Nate said, my name is Austin, also a fourth-year medical student at Rocky Vista College of Osteopathic Medicine, interested in going into rehabilitation medicine, helping people recover from some of the, the worst things that will happen to them in their lives and helping them get to do what they want to do that, that makes them feel like a person. And happy to be on here. Like I said, I've I love Nate. I've learned so much from him and his example and benefited immensely from it and happy to discuss and share my thoughts. Two things. That intro sounded like you're uh, doing a residency intro, <laughs> residency interview. So you can tell you've been doing a lot of residency interviews. Sounded really good. <laughs> um, second, I just finished the interview. Yeah. Secondly, uh, we have these conversations, like I said, on a regular basis. And why couldn't we put these out to people to be better? You know, we always say, we always talk about why would why would anyone listen to us? But you know, people someone's gonna listen, and I think that's very important if we can put it out for people. So today's topic, if you you've seen the intro, obviously you've listened to the intro of this episode, it's about stress and how we've learned or how we've over, adapted to overcoming stress, and which we think can help you in the future. Um, Austin, talk about some times in your life where you've had some stress, and and how does that develop you into who you are so far? Absolutely. I grew up in a family where competition is a love language. We all did sports. We all played games regularly. We had our dad coached us through a lot of things. And I think that's an environment that that is perfect for throwing children early on into stress. You know, you're competing against people your age. You want to win. You don't want to let other people down. People depend on you. And you also don't want to let yourself down. You don't want to be embarrassed. You you want to do the best that you can. And then I feel through other things where I had opportunities from a very young age to start public speaking at my local church. I had you know relationships early on in, in high school. I had confrontations. And I had parents that never shielded me from those things. At, at the very, well, the, at the very most, they would let me kind of talk with them and and consider some options for how to proceed how to confront difficult situations but it was very much like a get back into the ring you know i, I really credit my parents for a, a great upbringing and raising me to confront challenges like that and i have a i feel like as i've gone through and it's funny you talk about this career we've showed we've we've opted we've opted for a stressful career in medical school and in medicine and 
I feel that as I was coached on how to go through that from my parents, I started to learn other ways to to confront stress, to get through difficult situations and started to actually enjoy it, to look forward to staying all night at the library to study for, for finals week, to going into a really difficult workout. And I look forward to the struggle, especially well, for the struggle itself, but definitely for the results, because I know what happens when you succeed. And so it's been, you know, I don't think I've had the hardest life, but I've, I've done a lot of hard things that I'm really proud of. And, uh, all of that can only be done by learning how to properly deal with your stress. And I think you said the key word to me or the key phrase is you're doing hard things. Uh, doing hard things is always going to make you better. Um, I had a conversation with someone recently and she has a family that's very wealthy and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's bad at all. But I asked her, she was kind of doubting herself very, very, very much. And I said, you know, have you ever been challenged in your life? Like really challenged? And she said, you know what, I haven't. And I was like, that's the exact reason you're doubting yourself. And you're so stressed out right now. That's the exact reason you're having those feelings, because you've never put yourself through the ringer to know what you can overcome. So I love that you said that. I also want to go back to you talking about your parents making you confront things. You know, I've talked about this a little bit on this podcast before I come from a family that has a lot of addiction problems. You know, my mom was super loving, she raised me to do the right thing. But at a very young age, she talked to me like an adult. I remember sitting there like seven in the, seven years old in the morning eating cereal for breakfast. And she would just talk to me like I was an adult and how to handle things like an adult. And I think that made me mature in my managing stress at a young age. Um, and then same here, I went to the military. You know, not same here, but same thing with I went through stress. I went to the military and I went on three deployments, lived on a ship nine months at a time with various people and learned how to manage <laughs> anger and stress all various various emotions when you're going to be living with these people for nine months at a time in close quarters so i think putting yourself through challenging situations is a very isn't a good step towards managing your stress in the future so you're talking about the story of your life and how from a very young age you know i mentioned that as well taught to confront stress talked basically like the reality of life and confronted with that pretty early but as you're thinking about how you deal with stress personally, has that changed since you, you know, were growing up and going through the military? Now you're in medical school. Has that been, has that changed at all? Or are you still using the same tools and, and processes to deal with stress that you grew up with? So I remember kind of being young and then going through the military and stuff. It was kind of like a brute force thing, just kind of dealing with it and getting over it and, you know, kind of like suck it up buttercup type, type of thing and, and getting through it. But what I realized is that it's controlling the controllables, controlling what you can control every single day will manage your stress load. It's when shit hits the fan and you drop everything that you do normally that that stress level starts to build. And that could be controlling what you put in your mouth. That can be controlling what you do every day for your exercise. That can be controlling what you consume podcast wise, book wise, what you do with your family. When you can control those things, you're going to feel your body's going to feel in control as humans, we want to we want to control everything we can, you know, you may not be a type A person or whatever we think control things. But when you have that grip on most of the things in your life, the things that are out of your grasp or out of your control will all fall into place in the future. And that's why I've managed my stress as of late. I I actually was benefited by having some advice given to me along those lines pretty similarly when I was when I was actually uh, serving as a missionary for my church in Spain. And uh, one of my leaders, mentors, had told me that if you work 
as hard as you can. If you do everything in your power, then when you, no matter what happens, you don't have to worry about it being your fault. I think that's what happens a lot when people, they fail or maybe things aren't going their way. They, it's, it's a real indictment of their confidence of who they are as a person. Maybe they're not secure and it brings out a lot of insecurities. Mm -hmm. You have control, like you said, all the controllables. You're making sure that your diet is intact, that your routine with exercise is consistent, that it's you're going to push through no matter what, that you are endeavoring to have good relationships with your family, that you are intact spiritually, whatever that looks like for you. If you're networking and making sure that all the professionally your development is happening and that you're doing everything within your power, you don't have to get weighed down with the worry of, oh, no, I'm not doing enough. You're confident that you've put your best foot forward. And now you don't have to worry, or at least I, that's, that's been a huge relief for me and given me so much peace when, okay, I've done all that I can. And now whatever happens, it, it'll take place. And, and then I'll confront that and do all I can there. But I know that it's not my fault if something goes wrong. It's just the way that, that life's going to roll out with this one. I love that you brought that up because we kind of had that conversation a few weeks ago. I was kind of wavering in my confidence because of some stuff that was going on with, with uh, matching into residency. And you know, the first thing that I did was kind of go back and to look back at the things that I've done and have done to that point to know that I, I shouldn't be insecure. I shouldn't believe that I should be anywhere at a certain spot or be denied a spot. Um, I know people are going to be better. I know people are going to have better opportunities. But looking back at all the hard things you've done is very, very important to know that you've gotten over so much hard crap, so much hard shit in your life that why can't you get over this? And I love that you said that. It's been a huge help for me. So how have you managed your stress? What have you been doing besides doing the hard things, managing the controllables, um, eating the right stuff and dieting on a regular basis? I think another thing for me is perspective. I, I'm not shy about my my religious proclivities and having a connection to God in my life. And that, that with it carries some perspective, you know, carries perspective out of a, a glimpse of mortality, but broadens to a perspective of eternity, a view of, of kind of a, a goal that you're, you're working towards that might supersede a career, might supersede, you know, a, some friend fall out with a friend or something that's, not going well at work, when I can think of a progression towards a goal like having my family together forever, when I can think of my connection with the, I think what Jordan Peterson calls the greatest good that there is, if you don't have a concept of God, think of what the greatest good there is could be and strive for that. Having a connection with that can help you not get so weighed down when things don't go right. As well, I think, you know, we're both students of Andy Frisella, I would say, acolytes to his Live Hard mm -hmm. program. But when you are constantly driving forward and constantly trying to improve, I think when you do fail or when something doesn't go your way, you, you know where you're going. You know the, the trajectory that you're on. And it's really hard to feel like a loser when, like you said, you can look at all the wins you stacked up. You know exactly what you're pushing towards. And you have, you know, this is something that I think is really beneficial for people. I learned this, oh, years ago, but when you track your progress, that's a huge thing because what isn't tracked, what isn't measured, you can't see, you can't mm -hmm. 
really determine if there's been progress made. But if you're looking at, if weight is something you're worried about, track your weight. If mm -hmm. image, you're worried about, track your image, your grades, your productivity at work, however you want to quantify maybe a relationship or improving your relationship with friends and family. If you track that and track your progress, you'll see all that you've been able to accomplish when you finally do turn and look back to just evaluate where you're at. And that can be a huge source of inspiration for you and motivation to keep you moving forward. Because wow, look, look where I've gone. Look how much I've risen to this point. I can just keep going. And so you won't feel like a failure or that, you know, that you won't succumb to the stress, right? Stress is the main point of this mm -hmm. podcast today, but right. that's been something that's been a huge help for me. Right. Cause there's that over overbearing burden or just feeling of like, I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. I've, I didn't complete this today. I didn't do this many steps. I didn't eat the proper food. But if you look back, like you said, and you see you're tracking the food they've eaten the last six months or your weight the last six months, you're taking a, a progress picture every week for the last six months. And you look back and you're like, wow, I had one cookie today, or I didn't take those extra 10,000 steps or whatever today. And you see how much you progress. You're like, okay, you know, I'm all about trying to go, 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 go as well. But okay, today is not going to hurt me. You can see that. And that stress will be alleviated. With that, also, I, I liked that you're saying track your progress, but also having someone that you have in your corner that can kick you in the butt too, you know, family member, wife, good friend, be like, hey, look what you've done. You know, today is not going to hurt you. Don't fall off for multiple days, get back on the horse, but look what you've done. And I think something that's happened to me when I was going through my accident was, was my wife when I was got sent home. I've talked about it on this podcast was when I was sent home from the hospital and it was Wednesday and I was, I had a neck brace and a chest brace and I was sitting in the shower. I took it off and I just started crying, started bawling my eyes out. And Nicole, my wife was like, did I hurt you? And I'm just like, no, I'm just so sorry that I'm putting you through this and you're getting my caregiver for the rest of my life. Like I did this and it's my fault. And she kind of snapped me out of it. And she was the one like, look at all the stuff you've done in your life. Three deployments, rescue swimmer school, overcoming, not falling to addiction and drugs and alcohol like your family did. And, and being the person you are, if you think like that for so long, you're, this is going to be your new normal. But it wasn't. And she was the one that reminded me that look at all the stuff I've done in my life to not feel that stress and that burden of like, poor me, this is my fault, blah, 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 blah. And I think that's very important to have someone in your corner as well. Oh, absolutely. They they can keep you accountable. Yeah. They can help you review the progress you've done. They help ward off imposter syndrome so that you can be confident. No, I can do this. I've done great. I can keep doing great. And they can also, like you said, kick you in the butt if they are the ones who can help you notice, hey, you're falling off. Yeah. You're not keeping with what you said you would. Yeah. And, and I'm here to make sure you realize that. Right. And that you falling off and not keeping with what you said you did could be the re awakening or the realization that that's why you're so stressed, right? Not controlling or doing what you're saying you're going to do. And all of a sudden you're feeling this burden of like, why is everything falling apart? Why is not, why am I not progressing or feel like I'm progressing is because you're not doing what you're saying you're doing. Well, here's something that I have trouble with. You know, I've learned so much about how to handle my stress, confront it, mm -hmm. get through it. And so I, and this is absolutely personality flaw. I just cannot summon, I think it's the empathy. I think empathy is the right word. When somebody tells me I'm so stressed, I can't move forward. Uh, so same here. How, what, what actionable items could we give somebody who's so stressed they can't even move forward. There's there are too many things going on. They they don't know where to begin. 
I would say break down everything you're doing on a regular basis. What do you like? Again, I think the big thing I would like to say is what are you consuming? How much TV you're watching? How much Netflix are you binging? How much time are you spending on your Instagram or your social media or TikTok? I would look at your screen time. That's a big drag. And that's a big thing on like what everyone else is doing. The FOMO, the fear of missing out. Like you, That's causing you stress. Then I would say, what are you eating? If you're eating like crap, you're going to feel like crap. And then two, if you're not moving, movement is key. I, I will say that forever. Movement is key. If you're not moving and getting some sunlight or just going for a walk or something or gardening in your yard, you're going to feel like crap and you're going to be stressed out. So I would say first thing I would do is break down how your day is and then start eliminating things that are unnecessary and control the ones that you know you can control. If that's cutting back TV and controlling and reading something that's going to make you better or listening to a podcast or going for a walk and getting out and just being with the sun and getting the air, I think that's the steps I would give someone advice. It's fantastic. Go combing through everything that you're doing and start weeding out necessaries and start put prioritizing. Sorry, start we start weeding out unnecessaries and prioritizing the necessaries. It reminds me of a, a, a I heard a psychologist talk about exposure therapy. And he talked about a patient he had who in his study had a stack of papers. We're talking bills. Uh, letters that had to be responded to things for work things for the house things for his properties and all of his things and he was so terrified and so unencumbered by stress he couldn't even be in the room and so what he worked with this this patient is okay how about this week for your homework go in the room and spend five minutes and just stare directly at that pile for those five minutes and then you're done for the day don't even you've done that you don't have to worry about it anymore and, you know, that's pretty minimum. And mm -hmm. it's hard for me, I acknowledge this as well, to have a lot of empathy for mental health problems and crises because I just, we didn't have that in my family, but, you know, thank God. And we didn't have, I've never had major struggles in that area, but I yeah. am exposed to those who do and have mm -hmm. seen patients who do. But, you know, going back to the story, this patient realized, okay, spending five minutes a day just in the same room as that thing and being forced to look at it they started to pick apart things like, oh, that's a bill from this day, or that's a letter from this. And already they started to imagine, well, I could take care of that pretty easily. I just, you know, click a few buttons and that bill's paid. I send this back out and that's done. And, you know, you can imagine how the exposure therapy progressed to, okay, now from five minutes, they spent 20 minutes just looking at that and they started conceptualizing what to do. And then they had to do, take one paper from the top of that pile every day and just deal with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that might need to be what some people have to do. If there's a huge, terrible monster, whatever it may be in their life, they 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 cannot be excused from confronting it. Even if you're confronting is just, I need to sit and look at this. Mm -hmm. I'll just do that. And that's all I can tolerate for now. I think that's okay. Because I think we all started different places and we all need to make progress along a different path. But you are not excused from not doing anything. Right. It's like the classic saying, I just wrote it down, paralysis by analysis. You're so worried about what, what, like you said, that stack of paper, you're so worried about the outcome, or you're so worried about the work you have to do. And you're so stressed about all that, that you don't even start. You're afraid to even get started. And what does that do? That stress just keeps piling up and piling up and piling up. And then you just feel out of control. And again, I, I want to come back to it. I'm, I've said it like three times is controlling what you can control. If that's, like you said, sitting in front of those stack of papers and just staring at them to get that that urge of being afraid of it and then taking it down and managing one by one 
that's you controlling what you can control. If you walking away from that paper, that's you choosing not to control that. Definitely. So do you have anything else you want to talk about for stress-wise? For students or professionals or anyone just looking to manage stress for themselves? I think that if you have had an upbringing that or experiences that make stress especially hard for you to control, I think one of those things you can do that's maybe a controllable is maybe you do need someone to talk to. Maybe you do need someone like a, a friend or a mentor or even a licensed therapist. And I would make sure, especially in today's climate, that you heavily vet who you are going to. <laughs> make sure of their qualifications, their mentality, the progress that they make with patients, the reviews their patients give them. But maybe you do need a professional to help you conceptualize. Maybe you do need a therapist to help you or a professional to help you take those first steps or to give you a framework. And mm -hmm. I don't think there's any shame in that. Right. But you're not excused, like I said, for, from not doing anything. You need to take that step. And you'll see the the benefits that come. We, you know, we're medical students. I, maybe we should have spent time going through all the physiology that, or the negative physiological mm -hmm. effects that come from stress. But it's not good. Right. <laughs> and maybe we could do that another day. But it, it will literally start to slowly kill you if you mm -hmm. do not handle your stress and learn how to do so. Right. And I think you made a good point of talking to someone. And if it's a licensed therapist or if it's not. But I want to make the point of talking to someone who knows how to manage the stress. If you're going to talk to somebody who's going to just complain with you about the stress, that's not good. That's not going to help you. You're just going to be running in circles. And I like to say, complaining is like cancer. If someone's going to complain, a lot of people are going to start complaining about it. It's just going to spread and it's going to spread and it's going to spread. Find someone you know, or that you may not know if you reach out to on social media or someone, somehow you connect with someone who you know who's not a complainer, who manages their stress well. So that you can see how they do it and just kind of vet vent to them and see how you can be better and help and how they can help you with your stress. I agree. And I think that this is an opportune time to discuss this, especially with New Year's and everybody, you know, many people discuss their New Year's resolutions. I think I'm guilty of this. I was over the last five days, I've been thinking, well, I should start XYZ, all this stuff, load on these five more tasks in the day that I should be doing. And I mean, I was already doing a lot during yeah. that time. And I, I feel that you have to make sure that you have manageable, sustainable growth and increase. So right. don't come away from this thinking, well, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, mm -hmm. one, two, three. I'm going to do these huge things by tomorrow. I'm going to start, you know, to maybe do one thing tomorrow. I love that. Maybe I think it was, sorry, sorry, you're gone. No, I was, I was just going to add, maybe choose one thing that you can stop doing tomorrow that you know is bad. And then the next day, add something that you should start doing and work in that way. But make sure your your success is manageable because we right. nobody can do it all. Right. And that's if you if you overload, I'm going to do X, Y and Z and one, two, three and ABC. Boom. There it is. You're trying to manage all the stuff. There's more stress you're putting on yourself. And I think it was last new year, maybe January 1st, 2nd or 3rd of last year, an author that I've read and he, he posted something on social media and it showed a graph and it was like, People who want to do XYZ, 1, 2, 3, ABC, and it just shot up. And then by like a few weeks later, it just died off. But at the beginning of January, he had this graph. And it's like, if you do one thing, it shoots up drastically. But then it just slowly keeps going up because you're you're doing a little thing and controlling the little things that you can control. Don't overload your plate because then you're just going to be more stressed. But like you said, it's like that classic 1% better by marginal gains. Um, you, say it, you say it better than I do. The aggregation of marginal gains. 
by Brailsford. Right. I would start with put you put in your mouth. That's the easiest thing you can control. And once you start seeing progress there, start moving a little bit more. And then once you start seeing progress there, maybe pick up a book that's about fitness and health or how I can lose weight. You'll see once you start managing those stressors and managing those controllables, all that stress is going to lower down. I can tell you right now, sure, we have residency match coming up and that's a little bit stressful, but I can't, I can literally can't pinpoint a time in my life where I've felt like super, super stressed in the last like four years. Sure, we're, we're worried about if we're going to place, where we're going to place, and hopefully we do place. But nothing that's been so drastic where I felt like I would, couldn't do anything for the rest of the day or paralyzed or paralysis by analysis. So, Kudos to you. I've definitely felt a few periods of being very overwhelmed, very stressed, especially going mm -hmm. through medical school these last few mm -hmm. years. Yeah, and yeah. I think that there were two things that really helped me. One was having this already developed mentality that Okay, so let's say I have stacked up, I have three exams coming up in the next few weeks, a group project, a paper, I, there's this national organization that I need to get done, I'm working on this research, you know, all this is stacking up, and I'm looking at this monster in front of me. Mm -hmm. But I have the mentality, well, it has to get done. It, there's no world where none of this can get done. Right. So I might as well start working on it. I'll just right. start triaging most important, least important, mm -hmm. and I'll through, you know, according to my judgment, my schedule, and my my needs but another thing that i think you can some people maybe inherently have it some crazy people inherently have this they're thrill seekers they're you know extreme sport junkies maybe there's a little bit of this in you but i think you can also start to work on it yourself and change your mentality it's the the phrase or the concept from jocko willink that when something goes wrong your first word you say is good good didn't get the promotion Good. Good. I'll be better trained, expand my CV. I'll be better qualified for the next job. Didn't get the grade I wanted. Good. Now I know that I need to adjust my study plan, my schedule, my skills. Mm -hmm. And I, I have the opportunity to do that to get a better grade on the next exam. Mm -hmm. it, it's You can't just do it, right? It's, it's, it's not possible to look at somebody and say, well, just think differently. But you can start to try. And right. even if you want to try, that's a great first step to take. You want to want to do something mm -hmm. great already on the path pretty soon right. you'll genuinely want to do that and pretty soon you'll actually start doing it it's little progress can be made little by little i love that because even if you're you're nervous you're afraid to do that you don't know how to do it if you just start saying good your body your mind's going to start playing that trick you're like wow this is really good you know what can i learn from this how can i make this better or be better so that i don't get stressed out that i'll fail again or get a bad grade or not get that promotion. Just start saying it. Start throwing it into your routine. And it's it's something that I think it was a David Goggins interview or something. Maybe it was a, a book or a podcast. But he was swimming around San Clemente Island in like off the coast of San Diego where the seals swim. And it's nighttime. Great whites in festival water. And he was swimming with one of his swim his swim buddies. And it was a training op. And he, the guy looks at David Goggins. David Goggins just like smiling. And laughing and the guy's like what are you what are you smiling at like he's like you know what you want to be picked up right now i want to be picked up in an hour and that's just that mentality the same thing of like it's shitty good like this didn't work out for me good it's hard good because your body's just gonna keep going your 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 mind is so strong if you doubt or start thinking the wrong thing 
everything's just going to go downhill and it won't it's just it's crazy how that works so i love that you brought up jocko and then i threw in and i threw in goggins just because it's a certain mentality like you said certain people have and i think you can just start implementing it slowly into the things you do and you can see how drastically things change definitely and you I mean, it just made me laugh thinking of Goggins. He probably said, if you see me fighting a shark, help the shark. Goggins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think one, one thing you've hit on, one thing I've hit on, and this is this was kind of my final thought when saying you don't need to take it all on you. It is okay to offload when appropriate. Mm -hmm. right? This is a big thing you learn as a leader. But there are people who have different backgrounds, different skill sets and training. And, and delegation is a huge part of leadership, being able yep. to go to someone on your team and say, this task needs to get done. You have, according to your roles and your skill set, you're the best equipped to do this. Here's kind of what I want to have come out of this. But let me let me kick this to you and see what you, your experience, your brilliance, your all of that you bring to the table, see what you can do with this and then bring it back. And even in your personal life, I remember when I was an undergrad and I lived with six other guys, I was working, but also doing school full time. And I also was probably the only person who cleaned the house. And I had this whole study schedule that I had to do. I had a cell bio exam the next day. Chemistry was coming up later. And also our floors were a mess. And I walked in and I was, I was losing my mind. I was so angry, frustrated. And my roommate was like, dude, what's going on with you? And I told him, well, I have X to do. I have to study. I have to work. I have to clean. I have to mop. I have to all this stuff. And he said, how about you just don't mop the floors and sweep tonight? Why don't you just not even worry about that and go do something else and like work on something else that's a little bit more important on your list? Did he offer to sweep and clean? No, he didn't. But it was, a, it was a powerful lesson, I think, for me to, to realize, okay, I don't have to do all of the things. What's that movie that came out recently? Everything, everywhere, all at once. I don't have to do that. Yeah. Let me figure out the most important and let me take a crack at that right now or the most manageable for me in my current state. And I'll do that today for sure. And then I can work down the list of things I have to do. I think... I like I like that. I want to I want to piggyback off that just because I've I've had that within the last few years with a lot of the publications I've had, I've had with um, publishing in dermatology and journals and stuff like that. But I have a team that I work and publish with kind of regularly with other med students, and I know my best strength isn't writing. Like I can get the things going. I'm a good data collector, and I analyze the data and I make the spreadsheets and all that other stuff. But writing the whole thing isn't my best my best skill. And I have a, two or three team members that are really good at writing. And that's where that gets delegated to. So it's like, that's a very key thing to do to manage stress. And I love that you brought that up because so many people are like, I, I got to do this all by myself. I got to do this. I, no, you have friends and you have family and you have colleagues that are willing to help. You just got to ask. And I'm all about like charging forward and doing it yourself. But there are times in life where you got to ask where you are going to bear yourself with stress. So I think that's very important that you brought that up. Thank you. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> I kind of want to bring up, we kind of talked about this. Um, it's an example. Kinda, we should have kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but when shit hits the fan and people get more stressed, we kind of have an example of someone that we know when things got really hard, they ended up stopped doing everything that they normally did. And they kind of fell into a depressive cycle. Um, I want to know what your thoughts and how that could have been avoided, maybe as a friend seeing that or how that person could have 
manage that situation from becoming so stressful where they got into a depressive state? Yeah, that was hard to see. And I think you know what to say. You know what you want to say. They're the things that you'll tell other people, but you won't tell the person directly. Mm -hmm. That's hard to do with a friend who's so close because you don't want to push them away. I think initially the best thing to do is to invite, mm -hmm. you know, by, by persuasion, right? Not by force <laughs> and invite somebody to come with you and to do something with you or to hold them accountable. Like let's hold each other accountable for this. Even if we're not in the same state or whatever, let me check in with you every day, make sure we're both working out or both eating the right things Yeah, and, and invite somebody into that process. But maybe it does take what of more of a, an encounter like we've, learned about in medical school of motivational interviewing. Why do you think you're feeling this way? Where you weren't feeling this way before, what do you think has changed? And trying to draw out of the person through their own, because sometimes somebody needs to hear themselves say it. They won't yeah. verbalize it and it won't make sense to them until they are forced to verbalize it. But those are conversations you need to have with great tact and mm. your time and, and position or, or sitting with or judiciously, I'll say. But those are two things that came to my mind. I don't know. Do you have a, different thoughts? I think those are on the nose. Again, it's just kind of being there and asking them if they're okay. You don't want to overdo it. Because then they could be like, why are you so worried about me? <laughs> Prime example of what happened to me. But it's um, just do your best and show them that you care. You care. And that was the thing. I think what I saw was their routine just went to shambles. As soon as this stressful event arose, everything change the what they ate that they were doing on a regular basis the time that they went and worked out and i'm not trying to make this about them but it was just a prime example of why i think managing the little things and controlling the controllables will just manage that stress from becoming overbearing and becoming depressed so that's that's kind of why i wanted that's honestly why this episode stemmed why the stress this topic stress of stress stemmed to make this episode from last year or whatever it was, it's just we haven't haven't done an episode, but I saw that. And I knew that if they kind of stayed on the course of what they were doing for the the year prior, their whole year prior, that that probably wouldn't have happened. Definitely. And I, I think there are so many examples of the inverse happening. It happened to me. I was, you know, things were, let's say, going through second year of medical school, board exams after your second year, getting into rotations. I was on my regimen, my routine, doing everything. And then there was a period of time where I had a bunch of time off. <laughs> and it was crazy to me. I had a bunch of time off. My schedule and routine kind of went out the door. I let some time wasting things eat up a bunch of my time. I remember and, that. Yeah. And I, I called you. I told you yeah. I started to feel the creeping kind of tendrils of depression enter my mind. and Complacency and depression. Yeah and depression I was I felt lost and that was that's complete opposite of what you were saying I didn't have a huge stressor I actually had no force coming against me that I had to battle with and having no opposition that's when I started to fall apart yeah. and uh, I had to think about okay what what were the things I was doing when it was hard that got me to this place of like where I was let's say prosperity peace whatever and ambition, motivation, momentum. Momentum is a great word for it. What got me into a state of momentum? And I had to go right back to it. I had to formulate my day the way that I knew I needed to get right back on my routine, on top of my exercise, my diet, my <clears throat> relationship with those around me, 
the self-development, my career development. And the second I did that, it was probably two, three days. And those weird, you know, just numbness feelings, early indications of depression, they just faded away. Yeah. And it's people who experience both things. Yeah. And again, it just comes to the root of controlling what you control and, and managing those little tasks every single day. Again, I, I think five things you want to control is what you put in your mouth, how much movement you do, what you consume, your relationships with your family, and again, your whatever your passion, career, or future goals are. So I think those are five important things that people should try to manage in some sense. And I think all the stress of everything else will just wash away, honestly. I'll add in there a sixth thing, or maybe that could be spread out through a couple of things you mentioned, but also a, a level of spirituality, a connection to something that's transcendent and bigger than you, something that's an absolute greatest good or some truth that you can hold on to that will help you maintain a perspective of of life and what might be after. I love that. And I think with that, we can call that a wrap. I just want to thank you for being on the show, Austin, and you are going to be a future co-host for the rest of this time. And I appreciate that. I'll be here and I'll try to open my mouth more when I speak and enunciate and it will be, it'll be great. Happy to be here. All right. Thank you.